welcome to the LNT chat show. And today um, it's going to be an interesting experiment because this is the first time I've had two people on together. Um, so please welcome Andy Millington and Rod Woodhouse. And if you guys would just like to say a little bit about yourselves. Hi, Roger. I'm Andy Millington. I'm a teaching clinician um, in a healthcare subject, optometry. Um, I'm a bit of a methods geek. <laughs> Yeah, hi, I'm I'm Rod Woodhouse. I'm a dual class mathematician psychologist and uh, I used to work with Andy in optometry and I'm now in uh, uh, sports studies. Uh, OK, now I, I have to ask, how does a psychologist slash mathematician end up working in optometry? <laughs> um, I'm not even sure I know what optometry is. Something, something the, to do with the, eyes? The glib answer is they needed a warm body. Um, <laughs> Fair the, enough. <laughs> They um, introduced a, a foundation year for students that had a non-science um, route to get into optometry. And I was uh, employed as, as part of that because I had the mixed background and I could do more of the psychology side that we wanted to to introduce into that. OK, in, I, yeah. that, that, kind of, that kind of makes sense. Um, so give me an idea of the, the context for the thing that we're actually going to talk about today. What, what was the thing that, that sort of provided the impetus for the um the reflective thing you're gonna you're gonna describe to us we we taught both undergraduate and um, postgraduate professional courses um we did a lot of teaching together and we focused on the soft skills both having a, a social sciences bent we we were naturally drawn to that side of things um and we've also had a very strong reflective partnership um and it it sort of developed from there really didn't it rod it did. We've, we've taught reflection, as Andy said, for, for many years, and it's something that we found both undergraduates and postgraduate students struggle with, some more than others, particularly the emphasis on written reflection, because in um, because it's a healthcare discipline, optometry has some continuing professional development. And as part of that, the optometrists are expected to write reflections on patient episodes so it's it's a, it's a component of their, of their ongoing professional development so it so it needs to be embedded in their in their undergraduate and postgraduate courses and it needs to be written but it's something they they really struggle with and what we found was when we were talking to students they could reflect a lot better than they could write reflectively so is the issue just that they they struggled with the writing side or or were there particular aspects to reflection because i've i've used reflection myself with students and and it has always been problematic but in part for the students that i teach because uh it's not really something that they've been asked to do before and they're not really sure how to go about it. you know reports and essays they understand the the sort of structure of those so are there particular things that that they were struggling with Yeah, it was the the depth of reflection I found that, that that they they struggled with. They were very good at saying, "This is what I did. This is what I will do next." Right. What they couldn't articulate, and I'm not saying I'm very carefully saying that it's not that they couldn't do it because I know they could. What they couldn't articulate is that intervening gap, which is, "Well, how do you know that's what you need to do next?" And and it was that that process and I think Andy you you felt very similarly didn't you yeah we we 
I struggled with a lack of authenticity. I felt it had become a very process-driven um, exercise, that it was a case of this is an assessment, be it summative or formative. Um, give me a framework, give me a model, and I will produce a piece of work that ticks those boxes, yeah. rather than being used authentically in the way that it should to grow and to learn and to develop. Um, so for me, it it was it was the superficiality of it. it. And as Rod said, we knew in conversation, we knew in workshops, we we touch on some quite deep subjects. We talk about things like uh, abuse and elements like that. So we, we have some quite emotional and open safe space workshops. So we knew that individually um, everyone could reflect very well, but it wasn't translating to paper. Okay, and and sort of where did the ideas that you had yourselves about about how to improve this come come from? Were these things that you'd seen other people doing, or this is from your own personal experience of having to reflect on things either professionally or academically? For me, it came from the fact that we are reflective partners. Um, th there's that process with every lecture that you sit down after and say, how did this work? What do I need to change? Um, and that was very much a part of our relationship. Um, and we'd also looked at visualizing data. Um, one of the other aspects that Rod deals with is all the statistical side. Um, and it, it's that, how do I understand data? We were, we were talking about visualizing data um, and ways that we could represent data aside from your traditional bar graph or Venn diagram or scatter plot. Um, and, and we came up with a, a visualized concept of another topic we were talking about, which, which was more or less based upon a video game. And it, I think it started from there, really, didn't it? I think it, I think it did. Yeah. Andy and I used to have very long conversations, usually on a Friday morning um, when neither of us were teaching. And it, it came very organically out of that we, we we talked about reflection a lot we talked about the the difficulty students experienced with it so we wanted a diff we wanted to see if we could if we could find a different way of doing it and one of the one of the obvious ones was was audio let's record some reflections and we did it and and it worked it, you know some students that struggled with a written reflect reflectivity have been really strong in in an audio style but we wanted to capture the more visual style of um, I'm dip. the educationalist in me is desperate not to say visual learners because that's a yes. old hat. Um, but yeah, we wanted to capture those that might prefer a much more visual or dare I say even visceral approach to uh, to reflective to reflective practice. And and when you say uh, visual part, I mean the the thing that springs to my mind because. My subject area is, is marketing at things like uh, infographics, which I know uh, some of my colleagues have, have been working with. Can you can you describe sort of, you know, even if it's only that initial idea you had of what, what would you want the students to, to be doing in terms of visual representation? We, we had the concept um, and as Rod said, we uh, as a profession, we need to um, engage in regular CPD. And part of that is peer meetings, peer discussion groups. Um, and 
We we had a, a trusted group, which was again very much a safe space where we could take ideas. Um, and we said to them, we we've got this idea to use basically images to stimulate reflection. Would you be willing to run with this for an evening? Um, and it, it developed from there. Um, our, our initial thought was that you can't not react to art, even if you say I don't get art or I don't like art or I hate that picture. It is an emotional reaction. Um, yeah. It has that authenticity, that visceral whole body reaction rather than a a front brain academic reaction. Um, so we, we we were hoping we could spark some emotion and tap into the reflection that way. So correct me if I've misunderstood this then. So um, you, you tested out this idea of using visual images, but these are visual images to prompt reflection, not visual images that the students are providing as their reflection. Is that right? Initially, yes. Ah, okay. We have done the second bit as well. <laughs> okay. And when when you were using images, then I mean, you mentioned artwork. Was was this just pictures of, of various different types of artwork and asking them to look at those? Or because I can imagine, you know, with with my own students, uh, uh, focused as they are, there might be a little bit of a, you know, why am I being asked to look at a piece of artwork? You know, this has nothing to do with my subject. Or you know, were you showing them different images or how did you deal with that response if that's what you got? One of the initial images we use, I, I'm going to talk about this because it, it's familiar to a lot of people, was Edward Hopper's Nighthawks, which is that classic American diner that um, is viewed from outside at night with a barman with a couple and right. a single um, other person sat at the bar. Um, okay. And we, we presented this to the group and said, who do you identify with? That was our opening question the very first time we did it. Um, and it was interesting that within the group, there are four people in the picture, as I say, there's the barman who's working there, there's a the couple who are relaxing, there's the loner. Um, and there was also a viewpoint of actually, I'm the observer, I'm standing outside the picture yep. watching it. Um, so we, we initially identified different ways that people were interacting with the picture, different ways that they were positioning themselves within it. Um, and we were then able to say, how do you extend that to how you view your professional practice? Um, so for instance, for the observer, am I an outside person that is, is involved secondhand? For people who identify with the barman, I put my uniform on, I go to work and I'm whatever the people that are their need right um for the loner who was there with insomnia i need somewhere to go so th this cafe is providing a service the barman i'm paying him to for company so we, we were able to identify attitudes towards roles right and from there what was that what was the next step the, the there we 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 can then, once once you've sort of broken that ice, that the, the the first bit is almost the icebreaker to say this is what we're going to do, and and then once we know they've got it, part of that is they know me and Andy, they know what we're like, they they can accept it that we're going to be a bit weird with them, and 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 that's fine. Um, then we can go in a in a there are two directions, and we and we tried both of them, and both of them have, have worked. One is we will continue to show you 
images that we have curated, that we have chosen because we think they will elicit some sort of reaction. And then we've just left it as an open, free flowing conversation. Works very nicely with postgraduates that are, that are perhaps comfortable with a given level of reflection. What we've done with undergraduates is the way that you were, you were suggesting earlier, Roger, which is go and choose your own picture. Right. And we, we got them to look at, um, I think it was Art UK that, that collates a lot of, of artworks. And we said, OK, go and choose a picture that summarises your journey as an optometrist and tell us a little bit about it. And just write something about it. We weren't saying give us a reflection. We weren't saying use this particular model. We weren't saying talk about this particular incident that's happened. We're saying just tell us what you think about about why this sums you up. Tell us about you a little bit. And the result we got with that was much more reflective across a much more wider range of students than go away and write me a reflection about what happened in clinic yesterday. And because this does sound like um, again something something I've I've seen operate in slightly different ways. Where if you ask someone to talk about themselves, you know that that can be quite a difficult thing um, for for a lot of people, especially students. Um, if you give them an external thing, an object or a picture or whatever it might be, and ask them to talk about themselves in relation to that, because that's external to them, that kind of makes it a little bit easier because they, they're kind of projecting things. Um, so what, what was this next step from that? Obviously, you've, you've given them an exercise which clearly they've engaged with, um, and that presumably has relaxed them a little bit in terms of the reflection. So what was the next step after that? The next step was to treat that as evidence of their reflective ability. Right. So, so that, they... that was almost almost the, the end point. It, it, it sat within the um, for the for the undergraduate, it sat within a suite of other mini exercises we got them to do. Because what Andy and I were teaching them as part of this this session was professional development. And we're, we're, we're teaching them to get a sense of them as a professional, a sense of their professional persona. So. This was done at the, at the end of this suite of assessments and, and the kudos for these goes to Andy. He curated them and, and he put a lot of work into these, these assessments at the time. Um, and it, it, was, it was just a culmination of other mini, mini semi-reflective exercises because some of them were, we'd give them a dialogue and say, tell us what you think about this dialogue. And some of them were record an audio file where you've done um, taking history and symptoms from a patient and, and, and things like that. So, so, it, so it came at the very end of it. And we almost needed those earlier ones to build up their confidence a little bit before we hit them with the really inverse commas wacky thing at the end. If we'd done it the other way around, Perhaps it wouldn't have worked quite so quite so well. Although, like I said, they they knew me and Andy were weird, and they probably would have given us <laughs> a pity. <laughs> they, they, Mark, we we tend to attract, and as I'm sure a lot of medical subjects do, scientists um, who assume that they're they're hard science scientists rather no. than soft scientists with social science leanings. Um, so we had to softly, softly introduce the concept of social science, of emotions, of feelings. Um, so it, it, it 
it was a very iterative process. It didn't land fully formed. It, it developed over about 10 years um, yeah. as a, a guiding towards self-awareness, professional awareness. Um, so from the student perspective, um, apart from perhaps being uh, slightly more comfortable with the idea of reflection, were there were there other benefits that you saw either in terms of what they did in class or, or did it feed through into things like assessment? Um, sorry, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I think, yes, I think it made them more, I think it gave them a much stronger feeling of them as professionals than what we did previously. Previously, it was go and write me a reflective episode. And that was it. Go and write me a reflective essay. And like Andy said earlier, it, it was a very much a tick box exercise. They were, they were, they were ticking the numbers, but because we, because we we turned it into into a set of mini assessments that made one big assessment that did the same value as the previous one. You could see their development all the way through, and they were able to give a much better sense of their development, and so they got much better marks at the end of it. Right, because we, it, we weren't encouraging them to it, just write something. Sorry, Andy. Yeah, I was going to say developed from very structured. From it was a guided reflection of fill in four boxes, effectively answer four reflective questions to stage you through reflection to an incredibly loose brief for the last one, which had a word count of anything between 100 and 1500. Um, and some of the development was that comfortableness with lack of rigidly defined guidelines. Um, and again, something that we, we've noticed that certainly the science part of the students struggle with is acceptable ambiguity um that there is gray areas there are always going to be gray areas we don't have binary answers in health um, yeah. so it, it it fostered this acceptance of well actually i don't need this rigid framework it's not either right or wrong it is good and of merit within itself because of what it is not because of how it's structured and which boxes it fits in. Yeah, you, you said a series of mini assessments. So uh, how many assessments were there and, and what sort of, you know, does, does this is go over a whole year, a whole semester, a couple of weeks, one session? It was five assessments over an entire academic year. That's right, okay. isn't it, Andy? Yeah. yeah. And it, is, is that the only assessment that they do or was that as well as it was the only assessment they did in terms of assessing their professional development right but it sat within a a wider clinical studies module that had other assessments in it but they were they were clinical assessments right there was um practicals and and demonstrating bam, clinical techniques and clinical yeah. techniques and things like that so so it it stood apart from it um, and that, that that had always been the issue with it is that it always it always stood apart. And like we said, if you, if you, if it's a tick box, answer these four things exercise, it didn't feel like it synergized with the yep. other the other assessments. Um, but if but once we broke it down into into these these mini assessments that that were marked, I, I don't want to say loosely because it wasn't loosely, but they could only get a certain mark for them. They could get 0, 40, 70 or 100. Right. So we, we broke it down effectively into 
fail pass merit distinction yeah levels for yeah, them the, the feedback we gave was more important than the mark yeah. they achieved that was yeah. our feeling yeah well I, i'm a big supporter of that um i i you know we have to find ways to get students in particular to to maybe value feedback more um so if uh someone listening to this now thinks oh you know that sounds like a really good way of doing this and it's important for us to um increase reflection and and to be fair um thinking about cpd is something which whether somebody's working in a you know a hardcore profession medicine or law or whatever or even um something like the area that i teach which is marketing and advertising you know it's always worth having that wider perspective of, of what we take on. So we would like our students to be reflective as well. So if you've got people who are listening to this and maybe sort of want to think, well, how, how can I employ this? Are there any uh, particular uh, tips or hints or any advice that you would give them, things they need to think about in advance or things that you think would help them to, to implement this idea? I think for me, I think the two big things I would say are one experiment with different forms of reflection if it's just written then that benefits a particular section of the the student cohort and it also disadvantages as a proportion of the of the of the of the cohort particularly international students we found that international students coming from a different cultural background really struggle with written reflection whereas if you talk to them they are reflective but because they're having to reflect in what could well be a second or even a third language it's it's much more difficult for them so yeah experiment with with different styles and be aware that students as part of that be aware that students will have a preferred method method of reflection and let them work in that preferred method my, my second point is work hard and this is probably the most difficult bit to create a non-judgmental atmosphere and part of the issue with having a reflection as a, a single assessment tool or a single piece of assessment is students feel they're being judged. So they write accordingly. They want to come across as, as being good at stuff. They don't want to admit they don't understand something that's come from a particular area, particularly an area that the person marking has taught them. So it, you need to make it clear to them that what they write doesn't matter in, in as much that it's important to them and that's enough yeah there will be no repercussions if they they don't understand to use a couple of technical optometry terms transposition or binocular vision because 99 percent of the population don't know what those two things are and outside of optometry they don't matter anyway there i said it i don't care um yeah. but it's that non-judgmental atmosphere and that's something andy and i have prided ourselves on and worked very hard to that we work with the students not at the students and not against the students okay uh, sorry I was go on, say, for me on a per, for me on a personal level for anyone who wants to take their own personal reflection further um i would say learn the rules and then ignore them <laughs> so this, this sounds like models. wonderfully disruptive uh, a wonderfully disruptive approach to to teaching uh, again I, i'm i'm all for that um one last uh, thing then in terms of presumably it's you know it's still working for you guys and um you know moving forward assuming that you're going to be involved in the same kind of areas then are there you know following your own reflections are there things that you're going to try differently next year or or new things that you're going to try 
or do you think you've reached kind of peak implementation? Following on from this, there's a project that I'm interested in, which is looking at, again, from a medical point of view, you need to be able to describe what you see. Um, you can't make a diagnosis unless you can identify what you see. Um, that I, I would like to take this into a descriptive way. So use, use art to develop descriptive skills. Right. I mean, th that sounds sounds excellent. I, I do have a colleague, because um, it was interesting, Rod, I think it was you who said earlier about, uh, no, sorry, actually, it was, it's Andy, I think, who said about, uh, you know, uh, authentic voice for the, the students. And I have a colleague um, who has done something not a million miles away from what you're doing, where um, she's teaching cultural perspectives and she asked the students to produce some slam poetry. Um, and they could produce that in a number of different forms. And she did find that that, taking something which is unusual and that maybe doesn't have, you know, a, a lot of set rules, which is what you were you were saying, Rod, you know, free them up a little bit. And because they could express themselves in a number of different ways, that that was that was quite helpful to them. So, Rod, you were going to you were going to add. Yeah, I think I, 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 I don't want to say this is peak. This is this is done because I think that's a dangerous thing to say, because then you stop innovating, and you stop developing. Um, but I, I think for me what i what i what i would want to do going forward is find ways of making it as adaptable as possible because you if you have a cohort that their only reaction is i don't get this mm. you need to do something different yeah so so it, it's working out so for me it's it's moving to more into a thinking on my feet sort of way of, of saying okay what's the what's the shape of the cohort what are they like what are they like what's their personality What's going to work for them? Do I do more on the written side? Do we do more on the audio side? Do we more do more on the visual side? Do we come up with something completely new, like slam poetry? Do we get them to write dialogues or any of these sorts of things? So for me, it's 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 a it's it's tool in the toolkit that will be used as and when, rather than this is this is the the way I will teach it to everybody because then it just becomes pretty much the same as go away and write me a reflection. Okay, uh, that's that's brilliant. Thank you guys uh, so much for uh, sort of being here today and, and, and walking us through this. Uh, it sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, thank uh, you.